How do you feel about pricing all those items in your estate sales? If you're like most estate sale business owners, pricing can feel like a never-ending headache. But no matter how painful it is, the right pricing is key to a successful estate sale. What would be helpful is a way to simplify the process. Stick with me and I'll cover a way to do exactly that, to simplify estate sale pricing. It's an approach that leads to less problems and more profit. Welcome to the Estate Sale Business Podcast, brought to you by EstateSaleBiz.com. This is episode ESB006, titled, Simplifying Estate Sale Pricing, How to Price Quicker, Easier, and More Profitably Using a Simple Pricing System. I'm your host, Ronald Andrew Murphy. Pricing can be one of the most time-consuming and frustrating parts of preparing for an estate sale. While this applies primarily to tag sales, even with auctions you face pricing questions. You need to ensure your starting prices and reserves are set to bring the greatest return. Part of the pricing challenge lies in the great variety of items you're expected to sell. One estate sale might include high-end furniture, fine art, and expensive collectibles. And the next sale might be the other end of the spectrum. Budget furniture, reproduction art, and low-value decor. Sometimes there's even a mix in the same sale. Your pricing schemes need to be flexible enough to handle the range of sales you deal with. You need a strategy and practices that speed up the process and ensure the best results. In this episode, I'll share a six-part system for quicker, easier, and more profitable pricing. If you're ready, let's get started with part one. Part one, how to set a pricing strategy for your business. Simplified pricing begins with setting a pricing strategy for your business as a whole. This strategy should be an integral part of your business plan and identity. If you haven't thought about your business this way, doing so can have a positive impact. It can lead to a more consistent messaging to your market. Your pricing strategy should be a reflection of your positioning. Positioning is how you promote your business versus the competition. It's how you differentiate yourself. Positioning is important in a competitive business like estate sales. It helps your customers know what to expect from you. It tells them what kind of sales you conduct and the general price range they can expect. Decide on your position and then promote it. For example, are you a generalist or do you specialize in a particular type of estate sale? Do you only handle attorney-managed liquidations or only do downsizers? Or would you take on anyone who needs a sale? What about market area? Do you stick to a particular town or community, or do you spread out across a wide geographic area? How about your business personality? Are you a small family-run business, a mom and pop operation? Or are you an entrepreneurial go-getter growing bigger every year? Who you are 
should drive your overall pricing strategy. The business striving to be number one is likely to focus on higher profit sales in more upscale locales. Higher pricing for the items in a sale generally follows. Buyers accept it because they expect it. They're looking for upscale items and a company that delivers. The mom and pop, on the other hand, would likely stick to a smaller area with mostly mid-range sales. The expectation would be a middle-of-the-road pricing strategy. There's even a place for the low-end business taking on the small sales that others pass up. Pricing here would tend to be budget-minded, and the sellers open to most offers. Having pricing that matches your business positioning saves you time. When you begin to price a new sale, you begin from a predefined range, high, middle, or low. Your business benefits long-range because you have an identity that buyers come to know. You attract more and more of the type of buyers you're seeking. They're more satisfied to buy at your sales because you meet their expectations. Part 2. How to Set Prices for Individual Sales When you take on a new sale, your starting point for pricing should be the business strategy we just covered. Ideally, the client and sale contents will already fit your positioning. You begin pricing based on that, at the high end, at the midpoint, or at the budget level. And you could just leave it at that point, but that would risk leaving money on the table. Your sale outcomes will improve if you take your pricing system one step further. Here's a rule of thumb. You may be familiar with the Pareto Principle, Maybe you know it as the 80-20 rule. The rule states that for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. Applied to an estate sale, that means 80% of your profit will come from 20% of your sales. If you have 100 items selling for $2 each, you'll take in $200. But one small piece of furniture could easily sell for that same amount. That's important because it says you need to focus your efforts on selling those items that bring you the greatest return, the 20% of your inventory that will bring 80% of your income. So, step one of your strategy for any sale should be to identify the items with the greatest profit potential. You then need to set prices for these items that make sure they sell. You also want the most profit but you get nothing if they don't sell. You can refer to price guides if they're available, but printed guides quickly become outdated. Next to your own personal knowledge, your best bet is to use online market values. There's a later section of this episode where I cover how to find those values, but for now we can move on just with the concept. Online market values reflect a range of actual sale prices for the item you want to price. You can usually find a high and a low, and from that you can calculate a midpoint. For your pricing strategy, you can use the low price to give you the greatest opportunity to sell. The high price will give you the most profit, and the mid price will be the best combination of both. For example, Say you have a mid-century bedroom set made by Lane. 
Looking at actual recent sales online, the highest prices for the combined pieces is $3,400. The lowest, $1,400. You calculate the midpoint at $2,400. Set the price at $1,400 to give you the greatest chance of selling it. Set it to $3,400 to make more profit if you do sell it. And price it at $2,400 to give you the best of both worlds. The reason this works is that your shoppers are going to refer to the same sources you use. They'll be on eBay to find out if your prices are within reason. Since you'll be matching one of the price points, they'll be able to confirm that you're asking a reasonable price. Using online market value like this to price can give you one more advantage. If later it looks necessary in a sale to reduce prices, you'll have a floor at the lowest price. That's unless you've started at the lowest price point, of course. Market values also offer a quick way to align your pricing with your overall business positioning. If you're focused on high-end sales, then the high market value should be your price point. And if you target budget sales, the low-end price point will work the best for you. Online market value will help you quickly price your most profitable items. If the estimated total for these items will get you to your sales goal, then you can stop detail pricing at this point. If not, if you need to sell more of the mid-level items in your inventory to reach your goal for the sale, you can apply these same guidelines to set prices for those. Using the online market value approach can help you save time and simplify your pricing for any particular sale. Part 3. How to price mid-level and low-end pieces quickly. While high-end pieces benefit from individual research, most estate sales contain a significant number of less valuable items. These mid-level and low-end pieces must be priced, but the return doesn't warrant spending much time on them. One of the most effective methods for dealing with these items is to price by item type. Instead of setting a price for a particular set of glasses, just have a standard price for any set of glasses. Do that for the most common items you sell. Keep your prices in a price list, preferably computerized. The price list should identify the type of item, for example, sets of glasses or sets of dishes or silverware. Each type of item listed should also show a price per piece and a price per common numbered sets. This price list can save you a lot of time when you're pricing. It will lead to less effort. It can save your mental energy and help avoid mistakes in those times when you've been working long hours on a sale. Even better, it can allow you to offload this part of the pricing job to a less experienced worker. With a price reference, they can handle pricing all the less expensive pieces. You can compile a simple list to start with, then you can add to your price list as you handle future sales. Each time you encounter a new category of item, just add it to the list and set a price. If you want to be really effective, you should maintain this list in a spreadsheet. That makes it simple to adjust or update when necessary. With the proper formulas, you can even use it to make an across-the-board adjustment, like a percentage increase for all items. To help with this task, consult our website at estatesalebiz.com. 
The references for this episode include a sample and instructions for setting up this type of spreadsheet. Part 4. How to Research Online Market Values We've already seen that the high-end items in your sale should be priced according to online market value. You can determine what the market value is for any piece by consulting online selling websites. The best-known venues are eBay and Amazon, but there are others. Etsy, eBid, and Bonanza are just three. Many dealers and resellers also have sales sites you can consult. Replacements, first dibs, and so on. Note, for a venue listing with links, check our website at estatesalebiz.com. Just consult the references section for this episode. Let's go through the lookup process. This is the approach you use to get the range of values you'll use for your actual pricing. Your first step is to identify the item you need to price as clearly as possible. You may be an old hand and completely familiar with furniture and furnishings, but if not, here are some tips to help. Try to determine what the piece is called. Is it a sideboard, a buffet, a cabinet, or something else? Is it art glass, pattern glass, or crystal? Is it a wall clock, a mantel clock, or a tall clock? Next, determine the maker. Either the manufacturer or the artist, or both if that applies. For example, with a mid-century chest of drawers, the maker might be Lane. Furniture often has the maker's name stamped or labeled somewhere out of sight, in a drawer, for example, or on the back of the piece. With high-end decor and collectibles, the maker or artist is typically identified on the bottom of the piece. It can also be helpful to know the year made, the place where it was made, or any other identifying information you can find. Unfortunately, many times you won't find much in the way of identifying marks. In that case, you need to try a different tack. An image search is usually the most productive. For this example, let's use Google search. Type in a search term that describes the item as best you can. Normally, search engines return a list of links to sites that relate to your search term. But in this case, what you want are images. So, when the results come back, from the options at the top of the page, click or tap on the option for Images. Now, the results pages will consist of thumbnail-sized images that relate to your search. Scan through these small images until you find items that resemble the one you're looking to price. If you don't see anything comparable, try another image search using different search terms. When you spot a close match, select the image. It should enlarge and display the name of the piece. If something useful doesn't show, choose the option to visit the site page where the image came from. In most cases, you'll get a more complete identification and description of the item. Record that so you can use it for your pricing search. With the identity of the piece known, next visit eBay. In the eBay search window, type in the information you recorded. eBay should return an illustrated list of items matching your entry. Scan these results. Verify they show examples of the item you want to price. If not, edit your search term until you get the right match. Next, narrow the list further with filters. You'll find these in the left side menu. 
Find the section of the menu titled Condition. Choose the checkbox labeled Used. A reduced list will redisplay that shows used items only. Now, check one more filter box. Under the Show Only heading, choose to see just sold listings. What you want eBay to show you are just items that actually sold. You only want to know what the sold prices were. At this point, you've got the basic list. Now the final step of pricing is to determine the high, low, and midpoint values of what your item sells for. For example, it might be that your item sold for a high of $200 and a low of $100, which gives you a midpoint of $150. Be sure you add any shipping charges listed for your high and low values. Shipping is listed separately for each item sold. Shipping costs can throw the price significantly higher, so you should include it in your calculations. Once you have your range of market prices for your item, you can set your own price for your sale. As pointed out earlier, to sell it quickly, set the price toward the low end of the range. To sell for the greatest amount, set it at the high value. You can also start with a high value if it's your practice to negotiate the final price. Using the midpoint as your price will also give you some room to negotiate or discount, and it's less likely to put off those less inclined to ask for a lowered price. In the end, recall that the extra benefit to using online market value to help you price relates to what your buyers will be doing at your sale. Many of them will be looking up the value of the item using a similar approach. They'll see your prices are in line with what the piece has sold for in the past. They'll have more confidence in the fairness of your price and be more likely to buy. Part 5. How to Adjust Your Pricing Easily During the Sale It's fairly common practice for estate sailors to feel forced into a significant markdown on everything toward the end of a sale. Buyers have learned to ask, when will things be half off? This practice often results because the seller is afraid of getting stuck with too much unsold. Pricing right to start with can help avoid this situation, but there will still be times when adjustments need to be made. Checking regularly as the sale progresses can help stay ahead of the process. By measuring the effectiveness of your pricing as the sale progresses, you can make adjustments as necessary. The simplest approach is to make a periodic visual check. Tour the sale and look for the high-end items. Are most sold or unsold? And how does that relate to how much time you have left? For example, the first day of your two-day sale is over. You've sold only a third of your high-end items. What can you do to adjust that? If you priced at the high-end or midpoint, you have some room to reduce prices. You could do that by making buyers aware that you're open to reasonable offers on the items. Alternatively, you might offer a fixed discount percentage on all your high-end items. You might even mark down the tagged price on these items rather than making announcements or posting signs. If you've sold two-thirds of the top items, how should that affect your ongoing sales? If you had planned to negotiate or reduce prices the next day, you now might not want to do that. Why discount when it looks like all the items will bring the asking price? 
This is one reason you would not want to announce discounting for your sale early on. When it comes to the lower priced items, a similar approach may be warranted. To increase sales, offer an across-the-board discount on the marked price. You can encourage added sales by making the discount available for buyers taking more than one item or sales totaling above a certain amount. Regardless, the idea is to adjust the strategy so you'll end up achieving your sale goals. With tiered pricing, the process can be handled much more easily. Part 6. How to review your pricing at the end of the sale. Once a sale is completed, it's helpful to measure results anticipated versus what actually happened. Look at the strategy you chose. See if adjusting it might have made a difference. It can be helpful to jot down a few notes about your intended strategy and these actual results. Sales can tend to run together, especially if you're keeping a busy schedule. Having the notes can offer a helpful resource when you start a new sale that is similar to a past one. The lessons learned from the earlier sale can be more easily applied if you've got a written record to refer to. We've now covered the six-part process for simplifying your estate sale pricing. Hopefully with this information you'll find pricing the next sale easier and more efficient. Without an effective strategy and efficient approach, pricing can be time-consuming and frustrating. With the approaches covered here, it should become much more manageable. Don't forget to check this episode's page on our website at estatesalebiz.com. There you'll find links to references and further information in support of this topic. At the website, you can also post comments, questions, and suggestions. Please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and other top podcast networks. This has been the Estate Sale Business Podcast, brought to you by EstateSaleBiz.com. This was episode ESB006, titled, Simplifying Estate Sale Pricing, How to Price Quicker, Easier, and More Profitably Using a Simple Pricing System. I'm your host, Ronald Andrew Murphy. Thank you for listening. Music is from Ben Sound at bensound.com. Check them out.